place in a lot of stores. So it's little wonder that smart shoppers everywhere take time out to pause and refresh. And where else but in the fountain where they serve ice-cold Coca-Cola? The E-Militia Podcast, Episode 44, Anti-War War Vet. Enjoy fuckers. I'll film me and Guns and even discuss who's doing the uh, intro, but I'm going to do it before we can get on it. So, hello and welcome to the E-Militia Podcast. Um, today we are joined by my co-hosts, Guns and Guillotines, uh, Miss Buckles, Rebellious Liberty, and I'm Bloody Revolutions, aka BR, and our guest today is anti-war war vet aka john as we refer referring to him in the show um so what brings you to uh to, to where you are i mean it's a long old story going from uh signing your life away to the state to yeah you know, <laughs> yeah i felt like running a meme a meme page was going to be more lucrative so i, I went this route <laughs> there you go. um hey man yeah, once so, you get to where i am Shit just starts rolling in. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Well, well <laughs> I just I just broke a thousand like a week and a half ago. So um, took me two days. Really, yeah, not me. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man. I was uh, I was deployed to Afghanistan uh, with the Marines. Um, I was deployed as, as a motor T. So I was driving. We were doing a uh, fuel security, uh, and I was out of Leatherneck. We were running up to. Um, Edinburgh, and then like through, uh, we'd do some runs to Sangin, Nauzad, Shergazi, Musakela, and um, it was ridiculous. Like the the deployment was ultimately like the the perfect example of the war of attrition that the Taliban are fighting. Uh, you know, they're paying these locals um, at the threat of gunpoint to shoot some rifles off at the sides of these fuel trucks, and then a bunch of nineteen year old kids are out there trying to plug these holes. JP eight's like a hundred dollars mm. a gallon by the time it gets to us and uh i was reading yeah it was crazy i was reading a lot and um you know one of the one of the formative books weird enough was a a, an orwell book that's much less read called the message to catalonia it's about his time Mm. in the um uh, fighting for spain it's a great Uh, read it's so good and it felt it felt really familiar to me because we'd spend hours and hours and hours i mean some of these convoys would take like 17 days we get it's a two it's a two hundred mile run. It just couldn't be more Marine Corps. Um, we get stuck in the middle of the desert. Um, you know, some you get red air or something. We'd just be stranded, and um, it was the worst. Uh, it, I had fun at the time, but the more I thought back on it, uh, and I got home and started reading the first libertarian book I read, I think was like The Law, uh, just like some Kokesh recommendation. And um, just kind of started me on the path, and uh, I d- decided that my career wasn't um, going the way I wanted it to. So I figured I'd get on Instagram and turn it all around. Instagram is a starting point for major change. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, I mean, I, I say this every time, every time we talk about this kind of thing, origin stories. But 
without Instagram, I'd be a fucking neocon still, probably plugging away at a, a desk somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, how you get out and change minds and stop people from doing the same stupid shit. We've all done. <laughs> Whatever. Well, it's been be. cool. Like I, ha- I haven't, I haven't really interacted with a ton of people regularly, but the few that I have, I've gotten some cool feedback. One kid um, actually told me that he was showing his page to his brother, thinking about enlisting, which was, which was cool. But that's that's a big thing when you yeah. when you hear people actually like responding and being like, "Yeah, you actually made me look at it, made me consider it," instead of just getting one side of the story, which is, you know, saving crazy. lives, man. <laughs> be, be one meeting. Defending freedom and shit. Yeah. By the way, it, that it book is called Homage to Catalonia for those. Oh, is it? Um, oh, is it? That's where it was a message. But maybe there are different translations, but the one I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, there's no way that it's for George Orwell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's no way there's two separate books by George Orwell. But I'm, I'm maybe. <laughs> well, no, he's oh, no. English. It would, it, it's probably Homage. Anyway, it's a good read. It wasn't intended to be a libertarian book, but it is basically because it. It highlights how fucking horrible collectivism is at doing anything at all, even when everybody wants it to. Yeah, and it really struck me that they would sit around in the cold and wait and stare at the people across the way and, and count their five bullets. Right. And, and like put olive had, oil on their rifles and shit. Right. They had no animosity. And and I mean he's an he's a transplant, but he was trying to communicate that like not only he but the people who were like ethnic Spaniards don't give a sh- shit about this war. And you know I it's that weird because hard. you could yeah right, but like they they could certainly argue that they were fighting some some moral high ground, and I think in some sense they were. Um, but we didn't have any of that as a as a GWAT guys, and so. It just, you know, the more I thought about the uh, actual tangible results of what we were doing there and running fuel couldn't be a more mundane, ridiculous task in the first place. And then when you see, you know, like kids getting killed and, and stuff like that, it's hard to it's hard to wrap your mind around the some whatever justification Obama or Bush are, are giving, you know. Yeah. And the, the value of like the loss, you know, like it was this investment of you know blood and money worth it right do we exactly. do we see the freedom that was gained from it that's that's something that we never hear being told to people you know looking into it for the first looking into the military for the first time and that's something i'm very grateful for the growing number of um anti-war vets you know yourself uh the buying the bullet guys and um my whiskey for one just all popping up and uh anti-state can't forget anti-state <laughs> we got we got a pretty pretty flush community these days and it wasn't always like that but more and more um people are realizing like uh it, you attract more what, what is it attract more bees with uh honey than vinegar yeah. <laughs> and uh i mean this community i remember way back when when it was like you know fuck you like the kind of spit on vets <laughs> attitude, you know like oh you're a you're a stormtrooper fuck you and it's like i can i get it but i still get the cops that's man, we fuck offs, but <laughs> but like um, so many kids, you know, they they see that sentiment, and they're like, oh well, these guys are just horrible anarchists, you know. I guess these are the good guys because they're getting shit on so much, and we didn't have that balance of uh of guys explaining themselves like, yeah, I was part of the machine, now I'm not. Didn't like it much. Here's why, and I, I'm glad that basically everyone I've talked to, every every anti-war vet I've met uh, thus far has been very measured in how they talk about it because. <laughs> to to completely uh, do a one eighty on your views, it, it takes 
I mean, some fucking balls and uh, and a brain. <laughs> well, and I think too, like you know, I I worked EMS on you know I was on an ambulance for six years, and then I am now an ER nurse, and so it's the same kind of thing about cops. A lot of the guys so I you're a male with, nurse. I'm a yeah. Well, it's Merce technically, but whatever. Come on, guns. Have some fucking respect. Just kidding. That's cool. Yeah. I guess you get to hang out with a lot of women that I'm sure are attractive. So good for you. Um, <laughs> I actually. Uh, if you were to poll any of my coworkers, they'd say that I'm, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not the compassionate nurse that everyone, you know, so many people. Well, that's what, that's what a male nurse should be, dude. That's your niche. Yeah. yeah right, you need to be right, the one right. that's going to go in there and be like, listen, I'm going to slap you in the face. Like, I'm going to, like, nobody's in here. They're not, nobody's going to know. You're going to say it. Nobody's going to believe you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you if you don't let them do this. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's nursing is a medicine in general. Emergency medicine is um, draining, but. Uh, all, all I meant to say with all of that is that, like, it's the same thing about cops. Like, I, I think that there's a um, a level of nuance that would be well served to the conversation because I think a lot of these guys, uh, vets, cops, whatever, like civil servants, you know, however they want to consider themselves. Yeah, right. Um, I think that there's there's a uh, some inroads there, um, but we paint with really broad strokes about them and. Uh, I think that the cultures are super toxic and terrible, but I think we could do a little bit more to, to reach those groups. Cause I think those are the groups that, that need it the most, you know, they're the most statist inclined. Um, yeah. yeah. But I see it happening a lot less with, I barely see it happening at all with anybody except for military that's in combat situations. As far as being like sympathetic to the anti-war view. Yeah. Oh, like no, just, as far as, yeah, as far as a mindset change, hmm. yeah, going probably from statist to to where we are. Because, like, if you, I mean, if you like join the air force to like work human resources, and you know that's what you want to do, and you do that, you're not going to see any of the shit that's like, oh fuck, that's wasteful. Or like, wow, that's <laughs> that's fucked up. Like, we shouldn't be doing that over there. Right. Those were, yeah, like that's fucked. You don't see a whole lot of that. You're just like, it's just like a civilian job, just on a base, you know. But for people like you that were over there or, you know, people like whiskey, then they see a lot of how it's just, it just shouldn't be going on. Exactly what you were talking about with Orwell. Like, it's just like, wow, this is fucking stupid. Once we think about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I also think like it's a kind of a self-selecting bias, right? So you're talking to a bunch of guys who don't have a ton of prospects for employment otherwise that end up in the military or police and so they're not uh likely going to be the smartest group of people that you're trying to talk to so Uh asking them to to read a library of books is tough um and that's what it takes i I think ultimately to get to where we're at that you don't meet too many libertarians who aren't well read um at least on our own propaganda you know yeah no it's true and (laughs) and so many we we very easily reject um people who aren't willing to do that probably rightfully so uh, yeah yeah i mean if you don't if you don't understand what you're supporting then you're just a useful idiot you know whether you're on our side or anyone else's but um it it is quite the quite the jump because the ideas are simple enough but then the theory behind it to really be sold and to you know convince others of it um yeah it's a lot you need to you need to read you need to read enough to be able to recite bumper stickers without thinking about them (laughs) then you can get people yeah, it's hard. It's that's why I found, um, you know, Tom Woods is one of my first early influences and continues to be. 
And uh, he does such a good job of, of getting this stuff down to the dumb guy level. Oh, seriously. Um, so I, I point him to everybody or everybody to him because uh, he did a lot for me. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a, a, a super intelligent guy, but. Um, no, don't say yourself short. Well, Come on. you know, I, I. Better than that, babe. I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I'm not fishing here. I appreciate it. But um, I, I just mean like, I, I don't think you need to be like a, you know, on, on his level. Type. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think you yeah, just you're, to... you're probably pretty dumb. I agree. Oh, yeah, I, I drink I drink IPAs, as we said. So getting personal here. Fuck you uh, and your beer. <laughs> that's that's how we greet guests on this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you drinking? Ah, that's shit. You should yeah, yeah. Bullshit, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Ugh, feels like home. <laughs> uh, so anyway, fight. yeah, South Carolina's great, man. We're all like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's terrible. I'm never visiting. You're coming here, mate. Um, we, we can deal with one of you, not a whole state. Um, <laughs> if I'm this way, society has made me so. Oh, I yeah. Uh, so, uh, so John, um, what was kind of like your? Did you have a breaking point, or was it very gradual? Your kind of shift to volunteerism was it like, uh, like I'm kind of disillusioned, or was it all of a sudden like, oh fuck, what's what's this? You know. Well, so this is something I've never shared publicly, um, like Ooh. doing the, the podcast circuit or anything, but the, right before I deployed to Afghanistan, and this will fit right in line with my IPA drinking, um, I was actually <laughs> doing competitive slam poetry. Oh, uh, my oh God, God, dude. <laughs> Drink it, kidding me? Drink it, <laughs> boy. Drink it. Oh, hold my on. goodness. Hold on. I was, I was good. So, oh, I um, you. <laughs> I think... I want you guys to enjoy this, relish the moment. I uh, yeah. So the summer before, I went. To, nah, I give us know, a poet poem. Give us a yeah. poem. Um, it's all just roses or red stuff. But um, the the summer before I went to boot camp, I was actually in Chicago competing like in a, this national uh, youth poetry know. thing, which is just just what you would imagine it would be, right? Like it's it's just Chaz. Um, <laughs> it's just all, yeah, it's the best. Uh, as far as I can see, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just that's all that's the only t shirt I actually owned at the time because I gave up <laughs> the rest of my private property. Um, but so you know, I had this weird kind of juxtaposition between these two worlds, and um, I it was certainly gradual, but I, I, I think I was, um, at a at a base, like kind of a moderate Republican, most of my families are, our family members are relatively conservative. And so I, I had some inclinations towards the right. And then, um, I just found the entire effort, uh, really meaningless. And I, the thing that struck me, I think probably the most is the sentiment amongst guys that we were over there with that we weren't really fighting for any American cause per se, but that we were fighting for each other. And that, came up over and over again but that's and, what they uh, say and i'm like why are you sell why are you selling that like in right. every like and one of my fa- like when i was a statist idiot and i wanted to go into the military and everything one of my favorite movies was black hawk down and i remember that scene where they're like once that first grenade goes by your head politics and all that bullshit goes straight out the window it's just about you and the other guy and i'm like Okay, but then yeah, why the fuck are we? Why here? didn't anybody think about like why they're there though? You know, yeah. Like if there's no greater purpose there, 
She's like, no, Obviously. we're just here. And then when the shit gets tough, then we're here for each other. I'm like, no, well, but get out. But then get out, though. <laughs> well, you know, I think, you know, like if you're, if you're in the Alamo, that's one thing. But um, this idea, I think, I think you know, I, I've said this before a, a few times, but this idea of um, like a rash of veteran suicides or whatever, I think directly plays into this idea that once people get home and they're not in the thick of that group think mentality and they start realizing there really was no purpose to the garbage that I was doing. Uh, maybe the, the objectively immoral things that I had to do or I did do, I didn't have to do, but, um, I think people have a hard time reconciling that. And I certainly did. Um, which is how I ended up here, but you know, I, I didn't kill anybody. And so, uh, I didn't have that hard of a time. Um, mentally i think a lot of people do and uh you know it's not it's not about the recruiting commercials where you're out there slaying dragons anymore you know i (laughs) I probably was the first person uh that i of my group that actually read any of the stuff that osama bin laden was saying so that you know this guy has turned into this and and rightfully so i don't i don't like i'm not running defense for osama bin laden but um he was like the ultimate boogeyman and then when you read his stuff um, one of the Sorry. things that really struck me about what he said, he said, you're, you're going to fail at this uh, military intervention because your guys don't have anything to fight for. And I was like, oh, okay. he, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we fighting for? Damn, straight facts out here. Yeah. OBL's killing. He's spitting straight facts. Yeah. It's weird, man. And like we, you know, we're in these systems. We, they introduced this system called the crow system. It's a automated machine gun. It's got a, it's got an interface with a little joystick in the truck. The other you one don't have to... missiles? Oh, never mind. No, it's just <laughs> a, it, it was uh, attached to a, a 240 Bravo. So it shoots 7.62 machine gun. Um, all you have to do is get out of the truck to change the belt. And so every, whatever the box of ammo was, 500 rounds, 200 rounds, whatever, you'd have to get out. But otherwise, it, you know, you didn't have a gunner in the turret. So it was a little bit more safe. And it was like playing a video game. You went in and you basically played like some COD simulation and yes. then you were certified to play it. Disassociation. Or, yeah. And uh, I had read on killing before and after boot camp and was acutely aware of, of that process. And my, my best friend since I was in second grade is a, is a Muslim kid. You know, his parents are both from North Africa. So I never really bought into the Islamic um, you know, Islam is in general being the enemy that we had to all unify and fight against. Um, so I think I just kind of had the right, the right intellectual foundations going in. And I was always kind of the belligerent dude anyway, that would just run my mouth. Um, so, so I got out and started reading Rothbard and, um, you know, ended up on the E-Militia podcast. So <laughs> it's a, it's a steady rabbit hole. Eventually they won't find themselves <laughs> here if they pay attention, but. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you out yet or Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You said about being an Arsenal lot. Um what was the transition like for for you then getting out? It was weird because I was actually a reservist and so when I I joined the Marines, got in, went to boot camp, went to uh my unit in Connecticut and then I immediately got orders to go back and deploy. And so I was oh, back on orders like a month later and then uh I was on orders for the next you know, year and a half or so. So when I finally got out was when I started really thinking about this stuff deeply, but it was kind of a weird situation because I'm still hanging out with all the guys I deployed with. We were all still close, still checking into the unit once a week or once a month rather. Um, But 
I met my wife and uh, started going to church, which was um, not something I was ever really interested in beforehand. And, you know, all of that kind of combined ultimately led me to, to this. Um, and it was, you know, it was definitely steady, but uh, I, I would have probably considered myself uh, an anarchist voluntarist by like 2014, 15, which is right about the time I got married and got out. Yeah. That's that's a long time to be to be sitting on all this. And so you said, I think I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say with that amount of time, you have you have you found you've come across as a certain degree of clarity with your your philosophy at this point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I'm never comfortable with um, with saying hard and fast like anarchism is the answer, and only because almost the first question I get every time I talk to somebody about this that I care about and that I'm having a intellectually honest conversation with, they ask where the examples are of this working in practice. And, you know, you can point to like weird uh, pockets of people in the mountainsides of some like UK, uh, you know, mining town or something, but ultimately there isn't one. Right. And so there's plenty of answers as to why, but um, I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that, uh, you know, the U S and the 350 million people inside it should just hit the anarchy button tonight. Um, I'm, I'm fairly pragmatic in that sense. And so I'd be interested in seeing radical decentralization. So when I'm talking to anybody, I, I push hard on the secession movement. I think we should secede. I think it's weird that, you know, guns and guillotine here, we were talking beforehand. We've had wholly different life experiences uh, being from, um, would you say Florida? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, I support yeah. it. How dare you? Um, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I'm from the Northeast. It's a, such a weird place here relative to... I'm from South Carolina, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to sell you out. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. There's nothing... I don't have anything in uh, Portlanders or uh, people in Arizona, right? Or, you know, Oklahoma or any of those uh, spots. So why, why do I have to politically associate with them? Why do I have to vote? Why does my vote count the same? Why do we all have to choose one elected official with a red or a blue tie? It's all very odd. I think those things are, are certainly eye-opening to people. But um, yeah, I think it's very reasonable to be like, why do we live under one blanket system for 350 million people from yeah. cultures all over the world? And it's like, yeah, yeah that, that'll work out. That'll be right. nice and peaceful. Have any of you guys read um, Alan Weissman's book, Countdown? I have not. No. It's a it's a, an interesting read. He's like, um, ultimately, he's a Malthusian. He argues for the position that like we need depopulation globally. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard yeah. Anarchy Ball talking about this on Fadcast. Yeah, I'm not. I, I wasn't convinced by the by the thesis, but yeah. ultimately, there's he he's a reporter, and so he talks about these small anecdotes of various geographical areas that struggle with overpopulation and limited resources and stuff. And I think that there could be a real conversation there for Americans about, you know, in, in our lifetimes, all of us being in our 20s, 30s, 40s, um, there's going to be a, a radical shift, I think, in the way that we have to operate as people. And um, I'm, I'm not, you know, going to go out and say that I think we need to just cull half the globe's population. But I do think we're going to have challenges that are unique to our generation outside of what we've already faced. And maybe that will kind of lay the groundwork for radical decentralization in ways that we haven't had to really face 
before. You know, we've been extremely lucky living in the contiguous United States. Um, I think that's going to change in our lifetime for a lot of reasons. Um, so you think that decentralization would aid in the overpopulation issue? Are these? I think. I think it would allow for a conversation about how we distribute resources. So uh, one example is if you were to talk to someone in, North e in the Northeast in a blue state, a Democrat, about how unfair it is that states like, um, you know, red states, Kentucky is a perfect example. Kentucky takes uh, net, a, a net negative in taxes relative to like reimbursements for Medicare, Medicaid and, and um, SNAP and stuff like that. Um, and that's not to disparage Kentucky at all. It's just to say that, you know, there's this misallocation that we can point to from Washington, D.C., but why don't we think a little bit more clearly about the way that Kentucky operates as a state and uh, about welfare in general? And I think that I've found, being surrounded by mostly left progressives, that that's a really effective way to communicate this idea is that, well, look, you know, if, if you think that you're uh, morally or economically superior to these other areas in the country, then assert it. And yeah. to answer your question directly, <laughs> out, do on your own. Right. To answer your question directly, Guns, yeah, I think it would because um, there, there's a level of uh, innovation that allows for, especially in the U.S. as we stand right now, right, with 350 million people, there will never not be enough food, uh, even if every state were to secede. I mean, most places can, uh, ha has fertile soil and the ability to make uh, radical amounts of crops relative to times before us and so technology allows us to do a lot that we couldn't do before yeah uh, aeroponics so, yeah man yeah you can grow 12 foot pot plants like afghan kush right in your backyard yeah and then eat it <laughs> so i mean th this is a weird a weird tangent and rabbit hole but uh, ultimately i just think that you know that's the direction we need to be going in is um you know finding kinship in states and people groups and and getting into these pockets and when when the right gets really exercised about black lives matter having um marxist leanings or black ethno nationalism and the left gets upset about white ethno state advocates we should be telling them that we want that to happen why is it that we want uh richard spencer or black lives matter ethno state advocates in our country that's weird let's let them have their own pocket of land and do their own thing that's cool yeah literally um, forcing them at gunpoint to be neighbors it's like <laughs> we, we don't yeah. need that but they, they can right. quite peaceably do their own thing the fuck away from everyone else if they want to and they do right. <laughs> they want it we want it i mean go nuts boys you know the only thing holding you back is uh oh the federal government well and and leftism as a as an ideology right because it's it's innately authoritarian and so if you talk to some um connecticut soccer mom leftist about uh, letting some Richard Spencer have his own swath of land in the contiguous United States, she would lose her mind because not only should someone like this be forced to um, remain in the United States, but they should be miserable because how abhorrent they are. And, you know, I take a, obviously a very different view of that, but I think that authoritarianism is going to be one of the big hurdles uh, to get over as an ideology. Yeah, uh, we see. If you don't like it, then leave. Right. <laughs> well, if you don't like it, go and do your own thing. I think is the the, the preferred answer, you know. But um, that, I, that's my hope with 
how crazy things are getting right now, um, just polarized political sphere yes. is. Is I'm hoping at one point they're just like, war. I'm hoping that they're not going to just turn into, oh wow, I I really want to go to war to force my opinion on them, and then eventually they're just like, hey, look, let's just give up, and you guys can do your thing over there, and we'll do our thing over here. Yeah, and I did an IG live yesterday with a, a buddy of mine from Instagram. He was also a former Marine. He was a grunt in Marja at the same time I was in um, Camp Leatherneck. And uh, he's a big, like, communitarian uh, anarchist volunteerist. I don't know how he would necessarily label himself. But ultimately, he's of the mind that, like, he's a, a Hispanic guy in, in Florida. And so he gets close with his neighbors and, you know, realizes that if he has to pull a, a his gun to protect himself, it's going to be his buddies that uh, get over on the on the porch with him. And it's not going to be... Um, our sporadic Instagram friends all over the country. And I think there's really something to that. Uh, but, you know, keep pushing the fact that this is just uh, irreconcilable differences and we should treat it like divorce. Why do we have to, you know? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Instead of forcing each other to live with them, just say, Hey, maybe it's just better to, to leave each other alone. Yeah. So you believe in divorce, Reb? I mean, I, I guess as a principle, I mean, I'm happily married, but, um, if people want oh, to get that divorced, the I don't care. What's that? Yo, yeah. My wife happened to walk in as I was having the conversation about divorce. So yeah. fuck. that's I, a pretty good, I, pretty good way to drop the first hint. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I gotta go. So <laughs> it, it was good talking to you guys. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, on, back Tell to the. Uh, hi. Tell said hi. Oh, there hey, I everyone. Everyone says hi. <laughs> No, it was just me. You don't have to tell her everyone. It was literally just me. <laughs> That's big for me, damn it. Um, but no, but get back to uh, authoritarianism. It's funny how we see it on both sides. We have a uh, you know the hardcore right nationalists are like, well, we're all American, you know, so we should all respect the flag and you know call yourself American before anything else. And we're we all voted for this, so we're all under the same you know banner. And then we have the collectivist left, which is like, you know, well, comrade, we're all the same, and you know if. We, we should all be equal and, you know, live equal and the same and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so you're both for this big overarching blanket way of doing things, which crushes individualism, crushes what's special about people, you know, as, as, a, as a being. Um, and, and they think that's going to end peacefully when they, they want to force everyone to do their, you know, their thing or go up against the wall or <laughs> end so, up in prison. You know? Well, they don't, they don't care. Um, as, as far as the left is concerned, especially, and I'm, I'm uh, more bullish on the left, but I, I go hard at the right cause I am so annoyed with them, but um, <laughs> I can't even left, speak here right now, but I'm pissed with you too. <laughs> yeah. The left doesn't care if you're willing to conform because the left will, will have its molds of, of uh, respectable opinion and force you through them or, uh, and strip away the, the parts they don't like or, or you'll you know, perish. And we've seen that time and time and time again. Um, so I, I don't think they give uh, a single damn about whether or not you like it. Um, oh, it makes it a harder thing to talk to. But True. I uh, recently have been getting in arguments with people saying, hey, I believe I have these specific actions against police and helping, you know, repair race relations and everything. And I don't believe that, you know, I agree with you there, but I don't believe we should be using words like white fragility and, you know, trying to say, oh, this is, you know, 
if you believe that maybe for any reason you don't support this or that your voice matters in any way over a black person's in this in this issue then you are white or fragile white i'm like what that doesn't do anything because you're just at that point the left likes to make these buzzwords and i don't like those they yeah they have a they have a, a grasp on the english language and it, its use uh for like propaganda and stuff that the right just doesn't um yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, i love reading chomsky i actually haven't read that white fragility book but i'd like to because I, you know, I think it's important to read our opponents, but ultimately like the, the leftist coalition right now is untenable and I don't think they care because they're opportunists, but ultimately just like the Bolsheviks aligning with a bunch of, um, kind of innately, innately opposing groups like, um, the black community and LGBT, it just, you know, on, on, um, sort of like community on a community basis, there's a lot of differences that are going to be hard to overcome. And you hear guys like Hotep Jesus or whatever, talk about this stuff. It's interesting to think about. I think if they had um, a monopoly on government, they would see significant infighting. Or even if you, if you step away from the social issues and just think about like the Bernie bros versus the Hillary Clinton supporters, there's, there's very little in common. Uh, whereas the right, they are, um, just unprincipled, and that's frustrating. Um, but saying one thing and doing another since Reagan or, and before, really. Since Wilson, <laughs> ha, have, has everyone read Michael Malice's The New Right? I haven't. I've read and, portions. Uh, you have. It's. Don't tell it's, me what to do. You have, <laughs> you have to read it. It's so insightful about the way that the right, especially the New Right, thinks about politics relative to leftism and how uh american progressivism is um extremely evangelical and and has these like stated goals of sort of forcing everyone to conform which is really interesting and he's just brilliant i don't know if anyone's a fan of his i, I love oh, yeah. michael malice um but that book changed fundamentally the way i think about american politics it was the best book i read last year well, that's a fucking selling point right there. <laughs> Make sure you I get that, uh, the ad money. But um, yeah, after, yeah. after the, my arguments where I say, hey, I agree with you. We should do something. But I don't, I don't like these words. I don't believe that these words are good. And they rejected me and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, all you care about is conformity. Like, hmm. uh, it drives me crazy. And so I agree with that. Yeah, it's even hard. I mean, I'm not sure where you're from, Rebs, but Connecticut is a... Oh yeah, so Connecticut's a, a wholly unique place. Um, so I don't know; it's tough. Northeast, very blue. Yes, yeah, very blue. At least I was like a mixed state, you know. Yeah, right. But you guys have the uh, the first caucus. You guys love Ron Paul out there, don't you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, that's that's what uh what gave us the Wolver Beans. <laughs> All those lads Beautiful. out there. Yeah. Um, so that, that brings me kind of uh, to the point of patriotism and, and how it applies in our community, because we're a very mixed bunch. And um, when we talk about collectivism and stuff, a lot of people who came from the right don't realize they still subscribe to a form of collectivism when they when they get pissed mm -hmm. off when uh, the more anarchist leaning types, you know, make jokes about flag burning while they're, you know, they're, they're recovering status and they might still get upset when people burn flags. And I, I get it. 
you know, especially those who've uh, served under the flag, you know, wore it on their shoulder while they've had their bodies shot in front of them, you know? So they still get pissed about like the Pledge of Allegiance and shit. <laughs> right. Oh, God damn it. Don't take a knee. <laughs> That's why it's so, like you said you, you went after the left harder, but you still go after the right hard. Like, I find it so much easier to meme the hip, the just hilarious hypocrisy on the right. Yeah. Because the sure. left, I mean, the left are hypocritical when it comes to like what they believe, but they aren't hypocritical about saying it. But the right is. The left will and be I, like, yeah, we know this is contradictory, but it's what we believe. And the right's like, we believe in freedom and liberty and the Constitution, but not really, ever. We don't actually ever act on that. Yeah, I think the American right, and this is why the new right was so brilliant, is they kind of expose all of these like major hypocrisies. So for sure, the right is easier, and they're, I think... You know, this is from my personal experience, but I think they're easier to talk to. I think that they're generally more intellectually honest. I think for uh, the general leftist, there are people on Twitter who are unironically saying that Joe Biden could rape their daughter and they'd still vote for yeah, him that over. Yeah. That's oh, bananas. Oh, God, I know. That's so ridiculous. And so that, that mindset. It, is it, it highlights the fact that it really does not matter because you have like that you have that belief the the Joe Biden who's like actually groped children. And then you have Trump who has countless allegations against him for all kinds of misconduct. And it's just like, you have these idiots that wholeheartedly support either one of these candidates to the point where they'll say things like that. Right. And I think for the right, it's, it's pragmatic. A lot of times, like my, um, I have a really close family member who's a, a pretty ardent Trump supporter, but he, he'll be the first one to say like, yeah, you know, he's not, he wasn't, he was kind of a bill of goods, right? He wasn't what we thought he was, but he's better than the alternative. I think for the left, it's not about the leader most of the time. Like they can, they can rally the more undecided, less likely to vote voter by getting a, a really uh, handsome, well-speaking Barack Obama. But ultimately they want the power, you. not, not the, not the leadership. They don't care about the leadership because to them, it's the it's the machine that it's the holds tool. all the value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have quite the cult of personality and uh, you know sense of uh, nation and all that shit that the the right deals with. Right. So where do you find uh, yourself on uh, on flag worship and such, John? Yeah. So, like the patriotism question is interesting. I um, I definitely have some misgivings about my um you know most people that i talk to intimately about politics will say that i must really hate america and i, I don't <laughs> i actually think yeah, in in some ways i probably love it more because i value um at least the rhetoric uh, that got us to where we are and it's that yeah. same rhetoric that lets me um talk down to both sides so easily it's like you know you you clearly don't abide by this document we all rally around if you're supporting X, Y, or Z. So, you know, I, I love my homeland, like basically everybody does. And, you know, I'm native here and I was, um, you know, my family were a family of distant, but, uh, proud immigrants. I'm a mutt. I'm, you know, all sorts of different weird European nationalities. What do you mean and by so, weird? Weird as in like the collection is odd. I'm Dutch and Irish and Italian and I don't know, I'm from all over. <laughs> but like, I, I just think I'm kind of like the perfect cross-section of some, some 
American that really has no ties to anything else except here. Yeah. And that matters to me. But um, the political organization that we find ourselves in today, I find abhorrent and um, frankly criminal and nothing to do with what we we talk about rhetorically as what government is supposed to be. And so I, I'm also the, the biggest critic of it because if I am going to care about where I live and you know, the debt that my children are going to be uh, born into, then I should be mad. And, um, you know, if, if anybody who cared about the political organization we're in or the arc that we're on politically, they should be pissed too. And, and not just mad, like, grr, Trump is such a bigot. Like the system has failed in like, fundamental so ways. Fucking, yeah. It's the kind of pain where you're just hurt and disappointed rather than angry anymore. You're just like, what the fuck is this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because this is a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while, but it's very hard to frame it. And I'm glad you came on today. Um, for like, I mean, with this is part of the conversation because I, we we do get accused, you know, anarchists and libertarians of of hating America, and you know, no different from the left. And it's like, I I genuinely I'm also think with Chaz a lot more now that Chaz is my thing. <laughs> Oh fuck's sake! Yeah, people find out yeah. I'm anarchist, and they're like, "Oh, all your buddies and Chaz." Yeah, like, no. yeah, like, <laughs> shut the fuck I don't know up, any of them, please. But um, but what I was getting at was like, um, I, I genuinely believe libertarians. You know, we we might have major disagreements with nationalists, but I don't believe nationalists really love their country quite as much as anarchists do. You know, like like when when we see nationalists waving the flag and stuff. They they talk about like a strong military and a strong global presence and all sorts of shit. And it's like, what kind of fucking <laughs> what kind of American are you when you can wave the flag and support troops, you know, in lands that you, you couldn't name if we weren't at war there? And God knows uh we're at war in so many countries, only fucking Scott Horton and a handful of others could name all of them. <laughs> but uh um, right. like like and, and then call themselves like proud Americans while espousing views that the founding fathers would have been disgusted with and it's mm-hmm. it, it's like you know you, you can love your country and hate your government that's a hundred percent consistent because our government does not represent what this country was about and it was a, a grand experiment unlike anything else and uh and it's been reduced experiments fail yeah it, yeah exactly and unfortunately um you know the federalists had their way and we ended up with a, a government that was not american it was american in name and not in action and and now we we're picking up the pieces hundreds of years later and everyone's still calling it you know land of the free and all that well i think there's something um i'm I'm actually working on a pretty involved uh piece right now like this ebook i'm trying to i'm trying to create a single source for the iraq invasion you go online it's impossible to find and so you know there's some cool timelines by like mother jones and stuff but i want like one one spot where you can go and check it all out and doing all the reading and stuff, reading like PNAC and um, these UN security briefings and um, a lot of the neocon think tank writings. It's really interesting to see, you know, it feels like you're dissecting American right thinking, but at this point really just like the centrist position that the empire has to extend itself for its own protection and i i genuinely don't believe that there will be an end to the grief that we have to to shoot with an ar-615 or yeah, i was going to say m4 but uh <laughs> you know th- th- there will never be an end to to the the strife out there 
And because we're so materially wealthy and we have such a high standard of living, getting people upset enough to really protest these things. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know if you guys read any of the Daily Dish. It was like this um, blog early 2000s and the guy that wrote it ended up publishing a book called I Was Wrong. He was a, a right-leaning proponent of the Iraq war. And if you just Google, I was wrong, you can get the PDF. It's like 80 pages and it goes through all of his writings and the evolution of his thought through the beginning of the invasion, the invasion, and then the occupation of Iraq. And it's really interesting because he has this conflict where he believes we're really, you know, experiencing this existential threat by Saddam Hussein, and then kind of comes around to realize like, it's, it's, impossible for us to extend our power that far and not have a, a wake of corpses that shouldn't have been. And mm. I, I find that interesting. He was pretty intellectually honest as it all worked out, but he was also a, a really influential voice to get us into Iraq in the first place for the right. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's something there about just sort of this like end of an empire life that we're all sort of living that, you know, yeah. the, the average person sitting on on their couch watching on tv and through through nvgs seeing iraq get blown to smithereens it's exciting and they get to like high five their buddies and you know crack their heinekens it. and uh <laughs> you know that's that's that kind of say that was for you um you know and i i, I think that that's when that's i enjoyed watching footage of things getting blown to smithereens through nvgs i was drinking rolling rock so you can tell how far I've come. <laughs> yeah, Rolling Jesus Rock is Christ. is is very different. So I appreciate your progression. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's disappointing. So what's your, uh, what's I, your I, music I, taste like, John? You like the revivalists? Um, I I only listen to uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars. I just repeat uh, the, that first album. Um, figured. <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on <laughs> <I'm> fucking disappointed <laughs> um, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, establish the stereotype here the craft yeah, here yeah, I'm, trying second, uh, I'm trying to support it it's from new england um, yeah, i listen to everything i like i like um i, I listen to mostly metal and like the stuff like um you the listen stuff to metal. Grew, yeah so the guy that did slam poetry and drinks ipas listens to metal yeah and i like a lot of hip-hop um i like a lot of like the um post-hardcore like early 2000s stuff that i had in high school oh um, heck yeah yeah me too yeah, That's yeah I, I listen to a lot of like dance gavin dance sort of <laughs> uh yeah so i've heard that you should never ask someone what kind of music they like because it'll make you not like them I don't dislike you any more than I already did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, at least you're on the scones. Oh, God damn. Yeah. You uh, wear glasses? No, I don't wear glasses. If I did, they would absolutely be uh, like the cat eye thick. Maybe like ivory tipped. I don't know. I, I thought about it. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, BR, I got a question for you. Um... Sure, but it's a guest episode, but why not? When you when you fuck, do you keep your glasses on? <laughs> fuck no, that's no, that, that's so you that's, just throw, that's you just don't watch. I, I just go blind, man. How do you know you how do you know where you, how do you know what you're doing down there? 
like, guess. You, it's it's yeah. mostly uh, touch and feel. Based. Yeah, just muscle yeah. memory. After a while, yeah. just keep your eyes closed. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm actually terrified. Do, yeah. I'm actually terrified <laughs> of sex, so I just keep my eyes closed for the safety. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I was just curious. All right. All right. Um, anyway, back you know, to whatever John was talking if about. We were, if we were a good podcast, that little section of time right there would probably be used for an ad, but instead we're just going to facilitate Guns' uh, Clear sporadic eyes. questions. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> has a problem with it except for y'all. <laughs> I'm sure our, uh, our audience probably enjoys it. I... I don't know what to make of that, but it is what it is. Um, it breaks tension. I mean, we're talking about rough far. shit. We're talking about the collapse of the empire here. So I'm gonna ask if you fuck with your glasses on. All right. You know? No, I can respect that. You're providing an important service. You'll be able to monetize and encapsulate that for sure. So do you fuck with your suede shoes on? <laughs> Exclusively, yeah. Sick. Yeah. It's like at special request, just like heels. Like, babe, can you keep the can you keep the shoes on? Oh, I really like them. I really like you in them. They make, they make you your outfit so good. sexy in your suede shoes. <laughs> and, and you exclusively play uh, blue suede shoes on repeat. Yeah, got yeah. it. During, during, during the act. One, one playthrough. Like, yeah, that or anything by Footloose. That soundtrack ah. is life-changing. Oh, shit. There you go. That's baby-making music right there. Um. <laughs> That's what my first kid was conceived to. <laughs> So, uh, so John, uh, a relevant question. Moving on from that, um, what, what do you think about combating this kind of statist form of patriotism we we deal with in this country? You know, we have uh, we have guys wearing. Well, I mean, we're coming up on Fourth of July, so we're gonna have guys wearing uh, U.S. flag shirts and you know praising the jets that fly over and all that shit. Completely ignorant of how many bombs we're dropping on people and people that don't necessarily deserve it. And uh, the American Empire. Yeah, <laughs> cheer for that shit. Just on Fourth of July. They do. They're like, I'm okay with taxes if it's for that. Like, they'll literally watch a video on Instagram of like <laughs> some random building getting the shit blown out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm well, okay yeah. with taxes if it goes to that. And then, you don't yeah, even know and, what that is. And the video is actually just Combat Obscura, and it says, "Oh, it's the wrong building." And they're like, "No, that that's still a terrace in it. I bet though." I meant to do it. You know, they're all yeah. the same over there. Yeah. And they'll they'll simultaneously be upset that there's like a bunch of Syrians in their neighborhood now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what what are you, what are you coming here for? You, you bombed my country, dude. Um. So I guess to answer your question, I uh, fairly decentralized approach to my life too. Like I, I have no interest in trying to to persuade people because I think generally I I'm not going to, and I'm just going to alienate the people I care about. So. Um, that's actually why uh, I started the page is so that I could have this uh, distinct area where I can talk about what I care about without having to like get into Facebook arguments with people that I like otherwise. I think just that's like why we're all here. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Just like you don't want to know that I listened to 30 Seconds to Mars, you don't want to know. No, I, I could have died without knowing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm but, sorry for your ears. Um, but, but, but you won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like, I don't know, like... I, I always try to make subtle points to people, um, particularly foreign policy points, you know, like um, people like the, the Syrian joke is one that I, I make as much as I can, because you, you can't get exercised about immigration and then create uh, with your, um, your vote millions of uh, displaced Middle Eastern people. You know, you look at these Europeans, particularly in BR, you could probably speak to this better than any of us. 
uh, a lot of the the EU strife right now is related to immigration, and uh, that's directly related to American and Allied foreign policy. You know, oh, yeah. all of NATO is getting in there, throwing those bombs and creating those problems. So, right. So, I mean, I don't know. I again, I I appreciate the idea of the Declaration of Independence and the rhetoric, and the fact that Thomas Jefferson used to ride with a Latin book in his horse saddle <laughs> saddlebags, but. Um, whatever, man, like I'm, I, I'm not super interested in deifying these people. And I think it's weird that, especially as a Christian, we, we tend to, to really lionize these groups that aren't deserving of it and not because of some like intersectional offense, but because the, the experiment they launched failed and we don't remember scientists whose experiments failed. Why do we care so much about this? I would like to speak to this. <laughs> I was really hoping uh, Rebs would jump in with some Christian point, but go on, Guns. Well, it wasn't about Christianity. It was about the... Uh, I, I, I know. Like the founding fathers. I'll jump in after you. The reason I, I regularly bring up on the like NormieCon pages that I follow exclusively to talk shit in their comment sections about the stupid stuff they post... That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> I, I regularly bring up the fact that like during the time of revolution that the people that are cheering for this shit in the comment section would have been loyalists and how the America we have today is virtually unrecognizable from the one that the founding fathers crafted and all this shit. And I'm an anarchist. So like, I'm not speaking to this from like a place of belief. Really? I just know that, these normicons, these like neoconservative idiots think uh, still think about these people and like they still they still make that connection that like the founding fathers and the constitution is the pinnacle of american liberty and shit like that i think the internet is making that uh, that trend wane in really significant ways like even if it's just some normicon who you plant the seeds for you know they see that comment section and start thinking a little bit more about it they they may get disillusioned and i think well i'm i'm extremely hopeful to be honest that, that uh, outside of this. what i've said what's that i said you knew at this yeah i i really am i think that the internet is making it so that um whether we like it or not uh whether it's cryptocurrency or just dissemination of information like we're, we're in a place that we've never been before and people are being able to see things i mean i'm reading I'm reading CIA, DOD, IAEA files that would have never made it out to the public um, 30 years ago. And I, yeah. I can just Google it and I can see right there in black and white. And it's, it's all um, unnecessarily complicated and they, they, the, the empire and with all of their various acronym bureaus and nonsense make it, make it challenging, but it's not hard to uh, spend some time reading about this stuff and thinking about it. And that's just particularly about the Iraqi invasion. Um, you know, this stuff is out there. And I think that it's the onus is on us for, for people who don't, don't believe in this to produce the content that makes the point, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff, I didn't read them, but the Afghan papers was another pretty substantial release, right. wasn't it? And I mean, yeah. I didn't read it. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the IG basically said that the entire thing was wasteful. The the concept of hearts and minds was was never going to work. And this is this is ten years after Stanley McCrystal came out and said 
you know, his terrorist math um, <laughs> line about how like every time we kill somebody or insurgent math, every time we kill somebody, we get two more. And so, you know, the, the public has been groomed to this, but the, um, the gatekeepers, as corny as that term is, really are the only people that are forming public opinion. Um, and I think that's changing. Uh, I think in fundamental ways it's changing. But, you know, the New York Times, I, I see their website every day. I go on and read articles every day because I think it's important um, for me. But uh, you know, most people aren't going past that. They're not, they're not going on to antiwar.com and seeing what Scott Horton and, and his buddies have to say. Um, he's, they're not going on to uh, various platforms and trying to read alternative news. And uh, if they are, it's usually like, um, what's that clown's name from the right? Uh, Drudge. Uh, you know, like that's their idea of being edgy. I think, yeah, the alternative media is like really not that alternative at all or offering right. anything substantial up, but they think they're getting information outside of the machine. Right. And that's the mainstream ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I don't I don't know what the balance is, but I am confident that it's it's shifting. And I think that I do feel it. Yeah. I I don't know. I especially as like older people um you know, as we get older and older people are no longer people prior to the internet age are, are gone. I think, um, uh, just imagine what a world looks like with millennials in their fifties. They're yeah. pretty close. True. <laughs> they, I guess the early they, ones are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the more, the more our population is made up of people from the information age, not people stuck in their old ways of, well, my dad believed this and I believe it. And it was good enough for me. I'm not going to question it now. Well, they you tell know? me on the news. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I, I watch Fox News. I'm not some dumbass watching CNN. <laughs> That's the Clinton News Network, if you haven't I heard. I read Yahoo News every day. <laughs> Your southern um, accent is excellent, by the way. <laughs> what, guns? <laughs> My generic fucking Republican voice is always like <laughs> a gruff. Uh, I, just, I just picture someone overweight wearing a MAGA cap and go for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I am hopeful for the change we kind of see because I mean, Christ, our our uh, our audience goes from like older people. Like I've I've talked to plenty of people in their fifties, being like, I just Resident, and, he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's ancient. Um, and then uh, and then we've got like high schoolers, you know, come up and being like, yeah, I don't believe in any of this. It all feels like horseshit. Even you know? middle schoolers, and if they ever tell me that, I'm like, yo, get the fuck out of my DMs. <laughs> yeah. go, go and play with Lego for oh, a few more years, and then fun. come back. I mean, keep it up, yeah. but just don't talk to me about it. I, don't... <laughs> I, I do feel bad seeing how many kids are exposed to politics, but that's kind of how it's been the last few years. But it's kind of a saving grace as well, because when people are invested in what I happens... Like, I was stupid as fuck when I was in middle school, but it just it makes me scared, too, because a lot of times you change just to change when you're young. Yeah. So you yeah. might, that, I mean, you might be on the right track and then. Yeah, change. fucking libertarian to fascist pipeline. Like, like Liberty Fuck. Punk did when he, when we started out. Yeah. Uh, he was young too, wasn't he? I mean, you think he was in high school? Uh, uh, he was in high school going to college. He just started college, yeah, his first year or something. And then, yeah. then he yeah. had to go. And he, he that entire evolution, on. that entire evolution <laughs> is recorded for posterity and, you know, the, uh, <laughs> for education purposes. Yeah, the Chaz mob can come find what, what you were tweeting in 2018 now that you're 30 or, I don't know, that's scary. I think I have two young kids and all I think about is like, I have to go live in Ruby Ridge type <laughs> settings so that they can't post dumb stuff on Twitter. 
seriously like i i was talking to a friend back in the uk today and he's he's just got involved with british politics for whatever fucking reason and um <laughs> he's he fucking bored <laughs> i guess <laughs> the shit up but um, he he was discussing how uh, his position, like thirty percent of them, managed to work their way into a uh, like a minister position, whatever the fuck it is, some some parliamentary position of importance. And I was like, well, you're fucked, mate, because you have an online existence. And I, I was thinking, what the fuck are politicians gonna look like when we're you know the older generation? It's gonna be a bunch of a bunch of young kids who are boring as fuck. No, no, no. Well, I guess for the right, it's gonna be all brovets. And then for the left, it's going to be all these like little, you know, limp-wristed, raised types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and they're going to be the most boring fucking people, the most reptile lizards we've ever seen. If in people our, think in it's like funny reality TV now. Just fucking wait. Well, right. it's going to be a bunch of people who never said so much as like you know a racial slur playing playing online as a kid. You know, all these squeaky clean like fucking weirdos who like <laughs> no no. Yeah, I'm not weird. saying you gotta. I'm not saying you gotta say racial slurs growing up, but if you don't do anything controversial growing up, I don't. First of all, like that's not human. You gotta do some <laughs> weird shit growing up, dude. Like you yeah. gotta. Everyone goes for the dumb fucking edgy. Period. Everything's recorded now, so you're right. The only people that are even gonna get into like a substantial public office are the ones that have nothing. On them, or, or the ones they choose not to look at, right? Because there's been plenty of, of examples the left, where they just, fine. yeah, I'm, well, yeah gov- right. Governor Blackface in uh, in Virginia. Yeah, they're fine if they're on the left because they can be like, look how far I've come. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, not really that far actually. <laughs> yeah, but but the the uh, the constituency doesn't care. It's just you get exercised when you know if Northam had a, an R next to his name, he would have been buried in. Yeah, oh, state he, 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 that man would have been crucified on the edge of the We might have actually killed him. Not us, but somebody. Yeah, <laughs> Trudeau's the same story. Yeah, 100%. The fucking prime minister of a country. Like, a pretty fucking sizable country. This isn't some, like, little yeah. little nation that you hear of you know, every five years. Yeah, yeah, that shithole, that backward shithole. It's, it's a big <laughs> place. And, yeah, just turn a blind eye to blackface. Three different occasions of blackface that have been photographed, yelling whatever else that might be. Come the fuck on, Canada. Get your shit together. You did that shit a lot. How many times you got to do something to get three photographs of it? (laughs) (laughs) Back then in the 70s or whenever. A lot of times. That that guy's way too young for it to be 70s. Probably like 80s, 90s. Black and white photos. Right. Black and white photos have been around since Vietnam. I think the dude's actually (laughs) 70. He's just really good. See, I, I told, I did warn you, John, that we we find rabbit holes of our own if you don't give them to us to, to chase down. So, unleash. Hey, um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. This is great. <laughs> is somebody bathing in the background, John? Is somebody what? bathing? Oh, no. can you hear that? I'm sorry, I didn't get the green circle. I had to rinse out my uh, my mug. Uh, <laughs> Multitasking, I respect. I thought it. your wife was in the bath. <laughs> yeah, hey, he's just, just sitting there on a chair doing it. Like, babe, we're yeah. a podcast. Come on. Yeah, I'm just gazing at her. <laughs> he's on the toilet, making up for that <laughs> divorce tour. Okay, <laughs> I, I guess something. Uh, something I'd like to kind of wrap up on um, as a, a final kind of conversation. How long did it take your wife to fart in front of you, John? That's oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's weird guns. <laughs> so my wife is an extremely. Um, conservative social person yet prude is 
perfect too. She's yeah. the sweetest. Um, and I ruined her life and got her pregnant. Uh, but t- forever i've been like, there I've that's, only... that's really out of character for a marine yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> the, the only difference is she isn't my third wife at 29 oh shit um, well that's actually that's completely to your merit well done sir yeah uh so <laughs> she still like almost never like i've probably heard her fart twice damn that's crazy. yeah it's, a, it's amazing she's that's a nice life that's discipline. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. It's she's gonna explode. She's like, <laughs> how often does she burp? Because she might just be forcing them out the other end. Never. Damn. Yeah, never. Mm. Never. It's crazy. That's yeah, sus- that's almost suspicious. I'd keep an eye on her. Yeah, I like, not even have. in her sleep. No. Well, <laughs> the, the the trick is if you keep her pregnant, then you know we've got two almost almost Irish twins. So the trick has been that you know. She can't focus on anything else. What is an Irish twin? Oh, um, uh, uh, two children being born in a calendar year. Oh, fuck. Wow. So my you kids didn't like, wait, did you? Was that, no. was that like in the hospital bed before she left? No, but co- close after. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's fun, though. It's good. I mean, I know uh, it's I, fun. I bet it's fun. <laughs> um. I said I know it's fun. BRC. <laughs> I would know, but I've heard heard good things. Uh, fucking one track mind both of us. Yeah, go, going on another another relevant tangent from that. Um, and I think a good note to end on would be uh, what are some kind of foreign policy just ideas that you wish every American had heard of before you get in some stupid argument with them online, as we all do. <laughs> if, if you yeah. could educate anyone about a, a handful of things, what would you what would you go for? Well, if I could send anybody anywhere, it would be antiwar.com, right? Because, oh, I mean, yeah. even even just Justin Romando, like his writing from when he was really prolific in the early to late 2000s, like early to mid aughts, like he, it's excellent. Um, but, you know, some, some really big points I try to make all the time is let's look at the number of Al-Qaeda, right? Al-Qaeda has been the boogeyman that we've we've written AUMFs on and justified all these wars about. They're the ones who were going to be the ones crawling out of your bed on, from out under your bed <laughs> with a with a nuke. Um, you know that's how we we invaded Iraq. That's how we've justified this campaign in Afghanistan. Let's look at their numbers. In two thousand one, uh, when they hit the towers, they were one hundred seventy minus nineteen. Now they're Fuck fifty. My, now they're fifty thousand, and they're across all of North Africa, um, Indonesia, uh, all of the Middle East. I mean, they've They've won the war um, without question. Um, oh, yeah. Anyone, and, anyone who doesn't, won't admit that is fucking lying to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the point I make to a lot of my Afghan vet buddies is just this idea, you know, hearts and minds it's drilled into you constantly. We're but, the invaders. I mean, Nobody fucking wants us. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, we're going to be greeted as liberators is what, what – uh, Clinton had the balls to say on, on Letterman, which is just insane. We're going to win in two weeks. And this is just some uh, small, small little army, which is true, but also begs the question as to how they can have a Manhattan project. Um, but Karzai uh, from, from President of Afghanistan was saying in 09, uh, I think his quote was like, you know, you can't expect people to keep losing their children and stay friendly and, and want to work with you. And, you know, those sorts of things I think are really really important for people to understand about 
these interventions because it's not just sitting on your couch and watching explosions. You know, there's there's babies dying all over the world. You know, what we're doing to Yemen right now, the Jeez. life of the average North Korean is um, almost entirely because of U.S. intervention or allied intervention. And uh, it's brutal. And then, you know, the final point that, uh, that I would want to make is that, you know, we treat terrorism this way, uh, this global war on terrorism, but we, we did this just a few decades ago with communism, right? So we, we bombed North Korea uh, more or less like every square inch of North Korea was bombed by U.S. bombers. And they, they framed it as this being precision bombing. They said that this was going to be a, a new wave of war fighting after dropping nukes on Hiroshima and, uh, and Nagasaki. And they killed uh, anywhere from like 600 to 1.5 million people. And that's the same, uh, the same events that the Kim regime is using now to motivate their people to, to think that there's an imminent threat at their doorstep from the U.S. It's true. And that's you know, some pretty, pretty tangible things to be thinking about for them. I was just reading recently this book about Cambodia. I mean, we, we didn't even tell the American people because it was such an unpolitical uh, foreign policy uh, effort from the Nixon administration at that point. But we crossed over into Cambodia. We bombed them. 500,000 bombs is what they ultimately came up with. We killed God them. damn, in Cambodia? In Cambodia. We killed like 600. bomb per square foot. Yeah, man. And we killed 600,000 people ourselves as, as American B-52 bombers. And then, you know, we drag the KR human rights tribunal presidents and, and leaders in front of uh, the UN and we wag our fingers at them for killing one and a half million people in, in brutal ways. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, the Khmer Rouge is, uh, they're terrible people, but they only had the uh, groundwork laid for uh, a violent communist revolution because we just killed um, 12% of their population by bombing. And then the KR came in and killed another 25%. And so um, Vietnam, same story. We killed 2 million civilians in that war. And it ultimately ended up with a unification of the North and South under a Marxist regime that still stands today. We and so, yeah, so, so we look at that and we say, wow, so I guess our containment policies for communism failed. And if it wasn't for the fact that the uh, USSR was... Uh, doomed to fail economically, we'd probably still be dealing with this thing now. Um, we went and made new boogeymen in terrorism, but uh, these countries are still dealing with this. You know, uh, China is stronger because of it. Um, communism in these countries that dealt with uh, Western foreign policy are stronger because of it. And ultimately, if we could just keep our noses to ourselves and stop intervening in all these foreign wars, we wouldn't have the problems that we have uh, when we look out past our, our east and west borders if it weren't for the ordinance that we dropped on top of the heads of all these civilians for 50 years, 70 years. Um, and so, you know, now we're dealing with this, this really big question, um, I think, in this, in this coming year of uh, whether or not Trump is going gonna, is gonna to really make a pivot in our foreign policy. And I'm convinced that a lot of the, um, yeah, I'm, I'm no Trump supporter. I don't like him. I think he's an idiot, frankly. Uh, and I think he's bad in almost every conceivable way. But when you look at his rhetoric about NATO, that was entirely unique. There has not been a candidate since NATO was formed that came out and said, you know what, NATO's dumb. We shouldn't be in it um, and we need to get out of it. 
if he really does win this next election and double down on that, and you know we've seen presidential candidates change their tune policy wise uh, in their second term, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's got nothing to lose now. He's probably you know he's probably worried about going to jail when this is all said and done. So he's hoping he'll croak in office and Pence can deal with it. But you know maybe maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll actually get out of NATO. And I'll tell you, the CIA and DOD and anybody who has any interest in this, they're terrified at the prospect of getting out of NATO because that's how we extend so much of our uh, global military hegemony. That's how we're able to influence politics in the EU with the UK, with Australia, with all of our allies in Southeast Asia with all the allies or, um, you know, inner workings of politics in the Middle East, it's all because we have NATO. You know, you can, you can walk into a, a, a fight and you got 15 people backing you up and you're talking to some dude in a wheelchair, which is basically the analog of the way we do geopolitics. It's a lot easier. And so, you know, Iran will look a lot less like a, like a possible boogeyman for us to send our children to die in if, uh, if we didn't have to deal with NATO and all that it brings. So I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've said before I'm hopeful, but I I hate our foreign policy and I hate our government, and uh, I'm really happy that you guys had me on. No. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you were all right, man. To end on. <laughs> no, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for coming on, man. Because that that was a lot of conversations. I think um like very valuable, especially uh, during this time period where we have you know election coming up. People are starting to wander back from from L to R, and you know believing in voting again. And well. If it's not Trump, it's it's Biden, and and they forget all this, uh, all that they've learned about you know war and our foreign policy and the way we handle things. And I, yeah, it's been a lot of good topics covered that I I, I know people are going to learn some stuff just listening to this. Um, I so hope so. If they want to, yeah, I learned some things. Yeah, that's good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I also I'm not surprised. Um, where can we find you, John? Yeah, so my my most um, active area. Uh, on the internet right now is my Instagram. I paste, I post, you know, the memes that I make while I'm bored at work. Um, but ultimately I'm going to try to start doing some more FaceTime there and just talk a little bit more about the current events and stuff. And, um, after I'm done with this ebook, I hope that I can, uh, drive a little bit of traffic and ultimately get writing. I've published a bunch on like antiwar.com and, uh, the libertarian Institute. I have a blog, antiwarwarvet.com. You can check out most of my, all of my writings are there, but, um, you know, I hope to be a regular contributor to anti-war by the end of this year um, with a, the Iraq invasion ebook done. And then maybe I can start getting, a, a, ultimately, my hope is to build a community of anti-war vets so that there's uh, a sense of normalcy for uh, the bro vet that we talked about to look at and say, look, it's not all um, IPA drinking, suede shoes wearing weirdos. Um, there's some, there's some dudes there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so yeah i don't know that's that's where you can find me instagram and uh yeah i hope if you if you come from here let me know and uh i'm gonna start making some hats and and stuff like that for the anti-war war vet um now yeah, maybe that'll take off a little bit i hope so sure. man we'll, we'll plug you in whenever we do this uh whenever we release this episode yep and then we'll have to get you on when you finish your ebook we can talk a little bit about that specifically yeah yeah whenever you guys are ready i'm down Oh, and then have an extra episode where you recite your favorite slam poems. Yeah, I'm gonna have to write one just for you, Guns. Yeah, to, to, be, to be fair, that slam guns. <laughs> yeah, if you can slam guns in a slam poem, that'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that that might actually have to be a precedent <laughs> for you uh, for your return into plug the book. But um, <laughs> thanks for coming on, John. Hey, Good thanks for you. having me.